I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom for listening to every episode. Now, my mom is the real reason you're listening to this show right now, but the sponsors have a little something to do with it as well. So I'd like to thank our sponsors too. Clio, Alert Communications, Scorpion, TimeSolve. Now more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things your law firm can have, and Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. It's the Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest, Kara Vaval, a round of What Would Florida Man Do? And then, though nobody asked for it and we're late to the game, even we're debuting a clubhouse clone. But first, your host, Jared Correa. The Legal Toolkit Podcast. It melts in your ears. Not in your hands. Wow, that's fucking gross. Yes, I'm your host, Jared Korea. Bud Collier was unavailable, so you're stuck with me. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys. Find us online at www.redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads. You can find out more about Gideon at www.gideon.legal. Before we get to our interview today with Kara Vaval, the laptop lifestyle lawyer who is the principal at Vaval Law, I want to talk about something I filed away for a rainy day, law firm document management. I used to watch uh, this show called American Pickers on History Channel a lot. I love that show. I even went to their store, Antique Archaeology in Iowa one time. I mean, I didn't make a special trip. I'm not that much of a loser. My wife has family out there, but it was a cool spot. I still have the t-shirt, actually. Uh, Anyway, the show follows these two guys around, Mike, the skinny one, and Frank, the fat one. They're kind of like a Laurel and Hardy thing. And they travel around the country looking to buy valuable antiques. So they buy them, and then they resell them. So people buy this stuff for decorations or to fix old cars and motorcycles when the original parts aren't available. One episode. They go to this guy's farm, and old-time farmer got stuff all over the property, wall-to-wall in these old outbuildings, machine sheds and barns, and they're looking for like a fender from an old Studebaker or something like that. And the guy says, well, I'm not sure if I have that when they ask. He says, my filing system is fantastic, but my retrieval system sucks. And this reminds me of just about every law firm I've ever spoken to. Ah, yes, the system that isn't actually a system, as it turns out. A lot of law firms, and that includes large law firms, by the way, as well as small, have their documents stored in all kinds of places. Let me tell you, I've seen some shit. I had a law firm that had a shed on a riverbank where they stored paper documents. A riverbank, you ask? Yes, kind of an odd place to be storing paper documents. I once knew a guy who bought an old convenience store for the express purpose of removing everything in the store to store the law firm documents inside. I've seen people storing legal documents in the backseat of an old Volkswagen. Maybe that's something the American Pickers would be interested in. I've actually seen a legal document on a street corner 
Well, that last one was unintentional. But yes, uh, one time somebody called me because they found a red weld on a street corner in Worcester, Massachusetts, and I tracked down the law firm that owned it. I was kind of a dick about it, though. I called, and then I was like, hey, do you have the Jones file? And then I waited 20 minutes while they feverishly looked for the files, and they said, yes, do you have questions on it? And I said, you don't have the Jones file? It's in my hands right now. I'm kind of an asshole. But those are the stories that make attorneys sweat profusely. And yet, and yet, law firms are still making the same mistakes over and over and over again when it comes to file management since the mid-2010s, since the early 2010s, since the late 2000s, late aughts, I guess you would call that. What are they doing? Well, they're dragging their feet on developing a paperless system. Yes, even now in 2021, even after a pandemic, that's still true. They're sticking with servers and premise-based software, which makes it difficult for virtual staff to access documents, for law firms to share documents, files, and folders internally or with clients. Uh, They're also avoiding the application of naming conventions across the firm because some geriatric lawyer won't do it. They're not creating and managing a data security program which would include coverage of case files and documents. They're not using e-signatures. And as I mentioned before, they're storing documents in a bunch of different places. I mentioned some of the physical places before, but I didn't include like Iron Mountain and places like that where you would store paper documents. Those are safer, but still ultra expensive, and there's really no need for it. Any paper document you have, the electronic file is just as viable. And as a lawyer, you don't need to keep your files forever. There are ethics rules surrounding that topic. And really, you only need to keep most of your files, the vast majority of your files, six to seven years. But lawyers never throw away their paper. So if I'm thinking of a law firm that's got even a paper-based electronic system for managing files, or at least part of one, those documents are still widely distributed as well. Average law firm I go into They've got documents stored at like five to eight to 10 different places. Think of the places where documents live in your law firm. Maybe you got some on your C drive. Maybe you got some on your My Documents folder. Maybe you got some on Google Drive. Maybe you got some in OneDrive. Maybe you got some in Box. Maybe you got some in Dropbox. Maybe some are in your case management software. Maybe some are in email attachments organized by subfolders. Wow, that escalated quickly. But you see where I'm getting at here? That's a long list. It'd be longer if I went on, but I don't want to torture you. Now, each of those document management issues on its own, that full list I referenced before, that's a significant task for any law firm taken on their own. And if you're a law firm that checks all those boxes of document disorganization, that's probably pretty jarring. But you shouldn't respond in the way that most law firms do, which is to become overwhelmed and just do nothing. Instead, take one step in the right direction. What's the first step? Probably the easiest one, which is selecting one, one, I say, single hosting area, repository, source of truth, call it what you will, for all your legal documents. And I frankly don't give a shit which one you choose. If it's Google Drive, OneDrive, Dropbox, Box, something I never even heard of, don't care. Pick one. Save all of your stuff there. You're going to save so much time and effort. You're going to be more efficient in your internal dealings with staff and your external dealings with clients. 
Now, it's going to be a pain in the ass to bulk upload and transfer those documents. I guarantee you that. You're going to be cursing my name the next weekend when you do it. But it will all be worth it in the end for the efficiency upgrades. Remember, the efficient law firms make the most money. You can find out more about that topic at the Clio Legal Trends Report. But wait, that's a segue to the next part of the show. Now, before we talk to our guest, Kara Vaval, the laptop lifestyle lawyer, let's hear from my daughter about what she thinks it's like to be a lawyer. They have a boring job. Let's see what the Clio Legal Trends Report has to say about that. It's time for the Clio Legal Trends Report Minute, everybody. According to research from the World Justice Project, 77% of legal problems do not receive any legal support. It's a damning figure since it tells us that the legal industry has a problem connecting the people who have legal issues to the lawyers who can help. I'm Joshua Lennon, lawyer in residence at Clio. There's an opportunity for lawyers to help bridge the gap with clients, earning more business while doing good things to help the people that need it. New research shows that being flexible about how you get paid can ultimately mean getting paid more in the long run. In doing so, you could be opening up your services to more clients and avoid missing out on earnings. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. Okay, everybody, it's about time to get to the gator tail in the middle of this deep fried breading. Let's interview our guest. My guest today is Kara Vaval, who is the principal of Vaval Law. Yeah, I can actually say it. And also the laptop lifestyle lawyer. And she hosts a podcast of the same name. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. The energy already on this is fire. So I love, I'm excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I went, I went on your podcast. We had a great time. So it I thought we awesome. would do this one. Yes. What I wanted to talk to you about during the interview segment is I think you've had a really interesting pathway into law and practicing law. You started out selling Mary Kay Cosmetics, right? Yep. Yep, I did. I actually graduated law school. I sat for the bar. You know, I graduated the regular four, uh, three-year program in May, sat right. for the July bar. And my bar results were set to come out in September, as you know. you know. And in August, I found out that I had passed a pregnancy test. Which was, <laughs> you know, that's exactly what you do. As a I like how you pu- you were like, I passed not the bar exam, yeah. but a pregnancy test. A well, congratulations. Test. Well, yes. thank you. And then, so what happened was, I couldn't tell my boss I had gotten a job, you know, out of law school. With oh, you already attorney. had the legal job. Yeah. I had gotcha. the job because I had clerked with an attorney my last semester in law school. And so I had that lined up. It was a securities litigation. And I couldn't even tell him that I found out that I was pregnant because I didn't know if I told him if I was going to lose a job or whatever. So I hid it for a little bit until I was able to tell him. And then the attitude completely changed. You know, it went from like super excited to have me on board to, you know, like I would draft motions. He would throw the paper back at me. Like, did you even go to law school? Who wrote this? Like, you know, just really breaking my balls, like for real, for real. Right. And so I was miserable. I didn't want to go to work there. He didn't want me there. 
but I couldn't quit. Sally Mae wanted her money back. You know, now she's Naviant, <laughs> but back then she was Sally Mae. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> right. And so I worked for him for the following nine months, but really did not want to go back to work after I had my son. I had maternity leave lined up for six weeks unpaid. Oh, I of course. For, right. Of course, Naturally. Of yes. Because that's how you do it. And then, yes. you know, my savings were running out about three months because I asked for additional time. And I swear to God, I, you know, when my back's against the wall, the only thing I know how to do is pray. I literally prayed. I was like, God, seriously, like, I cannot put this kid in daycare. He was still this little nugget. Like, yeah. you know, I had all this oh, that's ambition. that's like the hardest thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, it's like you go to law school, you do all this stuff. I'm going to make partner, this and that. And then I have a kid and it's like, oh, I just want to be a mom. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I already have the law degree. I already have the license. I can always do this. I don't yeah, have to miss come out to, yeah. on my life in order to do that. And so my honest answer to prayer came in the form of a woman who walked up to me at a local Target and offered me a facial with Mary Kay Cosmetics. All the best things happen at Target. Target, I'm telling you, I swear. So I go, I meet her. Um, she came to my house like a day later to do this thing. And I'm looking at this woman. She was an architect who was doing this full time. And I'm oh, like, interesting. how do you make money with this? Like, what are you selling? Like, you know, how does this work? And so she told me, she says, you know, this is how it works, et cetera. By the time we were done, I was a Mary Kay consultant. I bought a starter kit for a hundred bucks. And I say all the time, I bought my freedom for a hundred dollars because mm. that was my beginning, you know, my, 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 my beginnings in entrepreneurship. Right. And that's a key point you make, right? Because like when you're a lawyer working for somebody else, you're not an entrepreneur. No. You're just doing work. You're just working and you're making somebody else wealthy. You're making right. somebody else's dream come true. The um, important part of that is someone else who's not you. <laughs> correct. Exactly. And so I just started selling this stuff and I was just looking at the business model and it made sense. It was a work from home. You know, you you pretty much serviced your clients in the comfort of their home or in the comfort of your home. And, you know, people just bought the product. So I was like, well, why couldn't we do that with my service? You know, I, <laughs> I can just, you know, I can host like a law firm party, you know, cause it's like Mary Kay parties. Right. And yeah. so anyways, I just, I just started copying and pasting what I was doing in that world in setting up the law firm. And I used the money I was making from, my profits from selling the face creams and the lipsticks. And I funded that law firm. And it was, the overhead was always so low mm -hmm. because it was always virtual. I, yep. you know, I got the office to collect my mail for my sweet 1000 for $49 a month. You know, it's like I, everybody had sweet 1000, but who cares? Right. It looked professional on my card. And right. So, it's a downtown address, right? I'm good. Yeah, man. And I'm telling you, I remember rolling in, I paid $25 for the offer. My first case, I had a, I had my intake with this mm -hmm. new person. I roll into my virtual office and I paid 25 bucks for the office. I literally had my, my family picture and my card holder in my little rolly bag from law school. And I set that up on the <laughs> desk as if it had been mine. I was like two seconds away from hanging my diploma, but I thought it was going to be a little too much. Right. <laughs> You don't want to, you don't want to go overboard. I don't want to put a hole in their wall. And so I just, <laughs> I did that and 
I had the, you know, my manila folder with a, my intake. I did the retainer. The guy signed it. And it was some credit card defense, like some case. And he yep. gave me $1,500. And yeah. when he walked out of the office, I was looking out the window to make sure he left the parking lot <laughs> before, I ro- before I packed up my whole office, right, to move out. Yeah, and passed so, into the parking lot like, hey, how's it going? so as soon as he was gone, I was like, all right, took the check, took everything, went back home to work and to work up the case. And I was like, oh, my God, somebody actually gave me money to do this. Yeah. And I, I never stopped 12 years later. And, you know, I've done the seven figure jury verdict, all of that just from home. And I yeah. never missed anything. My son's now 12. My daughter's seven. Yep. And I didn't miss a thing. And so, you know, I'm really here to debunk this idea that you have to pick career over family because it's bullshit. It's really not true. Yeah. I think that's been a problem with the legal industry for years. And it's funny when you talk to me about like being pregnant, working for a lawyer, I'm imagining you like standing behind a vase so he can't tell and like (laughs) handing documents over and stuff like that, which is sad, Yeah, but it's so sad that people, and I think like, so I bet when people, when I mentioned that you had done the Mary Kay thing, I bet a lot of people thought like, oh, you did Mary Kay to get yourself through law school, but you were actually a practicing lawyer when you did that. I was a licensed Barred attorney. <laughs> I'll tell you, that takes a lot of balls to do because not everybody's going to do that. A lot of people who are lawyers are just like, you know, I'm a lawyer. I got to go be a lawyer now, no matter how much it sucks. But you tried something different and it led you back right. to law and practice you know, anyway. I will tell you the benefit I've had, I think, growing up the way I grew up, because my life was just like crazy, um, is I had the benefit of really never giving a shit what people thought about what I was doing. You know, I was like, unless you're cutting me a check for my bills, you know, your opinion really is not something that I will consider. Yeah, but that's a rare trait for most attorneys. You know, I remember when my mom, my mom was like kind of embarrassed, you know, like her daughter's going to sell lipstick and she's, and she was like bragging that, you know, her daughter was an attorney. And I was like, ma, I hear you, but unless you're coming down here and paying these bills for me or, you know, taking care of this kid, like I really, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your opinion, but like, you know, everybody has one. You know, like they say, yes. like assholes, everybody yes. has a, yeah. you know, an opinion yes. and I can't right. run my life, which is my enterprise. This is me, my life. I'm running this show. I'm running this business that's called Kara's Life. And I cannot. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the, uh, I'm waiting for the show on Bravo. Right? You like, let me know when that drops. I will definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and so I cannot, you know, have someone else's thoughts on what that should look like you know, have any impact because it really, I know what's good for me. I know what's good for my, and I know that when I was waking up working for this guy and driving there, how purely like miserable, I was miserable going there. And I'm like, I went to work my first year and I'm like, is this it? Like, is this really what I went to school for? Dude, I spent freaking seven (laughs) years. I paid money I didn't have. And then this is it? You gotta be shitting me. Like, come on. Like, I I made a big mistake. (laughs) I'm like, can I just return the degree? Can I get my money back? You know what I mean? Like, please, somebody give me an out. But you know what? My son was the best thing that ever happened because I never would have looked to entrepreneurship 
Yeah, to you be probably would have. If you if you hadn't had a kid, you probably would have just stuck no. with that job for like five years, I right? Stayed, or more. And I would have tried to make partner. I would have done yeah. the regular legal track, and I would yeah, have been yeah. miserable. I'd probably be drinking to a stupor right now, you know. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, and this is actually the truth for a lot of our colleagues out there. And that's one of the main reasons why I am putting so much effort into putting this business model out there, making it okay. You know, um, I've been doing it for 12 years. COVID made it real sexy lately, right? Because everyone went home. Oh, I will tell you, I've been working from home for a while as well. And people are like, did you hear about Zoom? And I'm like, I've had a Zoom account for like 12 years. Yes. Come on. <laughs> you don't have stocks in Zoom like at Though, this point? Yeah. yeah. yeah like, I've I, been I, doing Drawstring this. pants, that's all I wear. <laughs> I've been doing this forever. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and funny thing is my clients never had a problem. If anyone right. ever really looked down on me, it was my colleagues in the legal industry. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of had imposter syndrome for a little while, you know, mm-hmm. like, am I a real lawyer? But yes. then when I started getting the results I was getting from my clients, I was settling the cases, I was making the money, I was, you know, I was kicking butt as an attorney. I was doing great. I mean, I'm still doing great. And the reviews were coming in. I'm like, wait a minute. They got it wrong. <laughs> I mean, because some of them had to close because they couldn't pay their rent, right? Right. And it was and when learned, they really didn't need. Yeah. You you learned to be an entrepreneur, which most attorneys they never get that experience. Yeah. I I would never in a million years have done it any different. You give me the same, you know, same law degree. Same situation. I would have gotten pregnant again so I could do it all over again exactly this way because it's it really has, you know, it has caused me to become so resourceful. So, you know, outside the box thinking it's and that's how I approach everything that I do, including my cases, which is great for my clients. Right. So was it just about the hustle? when you were with Mary Kay and you brought that into the law firm or what other lessons did you learn from that job that you use like on a regular basis? I'm sure there's a lot of them. Yeah. I think probably the greatest discovery I made about myself in Mary Kay was that I had the gift to inspire and move people with my words. Mary Kay is a big empowerment community, women empowerment, and you get into a lot of personal development in Mary Kay. Mm -hmm. I didn't find out that I had a subconscious mind until I was 31 years old, you know, getting into these kinds of books and realizing that, you know, you create your life, you create your reality. That kind of world was never, I, I, I I was not a part of that. I didn't know that, you know, I didn't, I just was going through the motions of life and life was happening to me. And then I realized, oh no, life is happening for me. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's a setup, you know, like there's a plot here, you know what I mean? Like, you know, and the baby was a plot twist, you know, like, and then I started really getting this whole co-creative, you know, part that I play in life. And so I started really looking at, the, the desires I have and what I really want to do. And then they became possibilities, not just things that I thought I maybe want to do at one point, you know, like right. I wanted to start speaking and motivating people. And then I realized, well, I can do that. And it's not, you know, I don't, I'm not stuck because I'm an attorney that that's 
all I'm going to do. I'm a multifaceted being. I can be anything at any time, whenever, you know? And so it just gave me like room to play and I could be so many different things. And, you know, then I wrote my book because when I read all of this stuff, I was like, oh my gosh. Remember I told you I'm from Haiti, right? Nobody was talking about the subconscious mind in Haiti. It's not like Tony Robbins is flying and doing, you know, conferences (laughs) down there. So I'm like, these people need to know. And I speak the language. And so I started like putting stuff together to do workshops there. And, you know, that's how my book came about. And, and then I started creating these courses and like, I just started making use of myself in a much bigger way than just what I went to school for. And Mary Kay definitely, I think, broke that lid open for me, you know, that we kind of put on ourselves with our careers. Like we're, like I said, we're fixed in that because of the personal development, because of the fact that now I realize that I can be, do, and have anything, like really anything. And it's really up to me. Yeah, I love this. Um, I think a lot of lawyers think of themselves as lawyers and they define themselves by that. But right. we're all humans doing different things, law and other stuff as well. Uh, so let me add, last question for you is, you've also got this thing where you are where you call yourself the laptop lifestyle lawyer. Nobody steal that. That's trademarked. It now, is trademarked. <laughs> so a lot of what you're talking about, like there's a requirement to be flexible, mobile, virtual so you can spend time with your family so you can be the places you want to be and the places you need to be right can you talk a little bit about that before we finish up this segment right absolutely so um i don't know can you hear the screams oh we're just building that into the show okay so let me tell you what's going on so my sister there are no screams in my place which is very unusual so if you can hear this is exactly what laptop lifestyle lawyer is this was like on (laughs) cue you think i did that so what you're hearing is my niece she's three so my sister just flew in from haiti with her whole family all four of her children my two kids so last year I was living in an apartment and I had rented this big house in Fort Lauderdale, an Airbnb, and we had a pool. And I had promised them that next year they would come to my house in my pool house. And they oh, would you're be visualizing. Able to do this. Very I nice. I manifested that <laughs> shit. Okay. Closed on my first home by myself. Okay. And my kid, my, all these kids are now at my house. They're here for the summer. We're going to be doing summer, like for the next three weeks here, partying yeah, and just. Nice. Can I light- come down? Yes, come. Uh, <laughs> but you see I, what I can mean? Can I leave my kids at home? So, no. <laughs> so when you ask me what does laptop lifestyle lawyer mean, it means that I can have this whole thing happening, but I'm still working, I'm still producing, I'm still able to make money, but that doesn't mean I'm not living. You know, I'm living and I am and I'm having a great lifestyle, which my law firm provides for because it's a very lucrative business when you have it set up the right way. I have a very lucrative firm that funds this lifestyle, that funded this house, that funds all of these projects that I'm, you know, engaged in. And I'm doing it from the comfort of my home. I'm doing it without missing out on anything. I'm doing it while I take midday workouts and sometimes midday naps, right? Now we're we're talking. (laughs) Okay. You know, um, and I, I, I think that more people need to understand that, you know, being a lawyer and the image that comes with that, that stiff, like, 
super serious. Like you have to be in the office. Like that's outdated. It's not cool anymore. It's cool to be able to be a full-time mom and have, and be a full-time career woman or full-time dad or whatever you want, however you want to look at it, you know, and be able to afford the nicer things and the nicer experiences because the firm is still bringing in major cash. See, Evan was going to try to edit out those screams in the background, but now I'm going to make him leave them in. No, it has to stay in because that's part of what the whole thing is about. You know, I... I I'm home. They're, 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 they're cursing under their breath. As we oh do this yeah, segment. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if this is it. I'm home and I'm my family's here. Laptop, lifestyle, lawyer. I got my la- and that's actually the rest of the day. I'm gonna be working by the pool while they're splashing. And my clients are going to get service. The calls are going to get returned. The new clients are going to get signed up and they're all going to be in the pool. I'm going to be dipping in and out. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Last question. I said that was the last question. I lied. Um, (laughs) You got, uh, you've got a conference coming up soon. I think within a couple of days of this podcast release. So why don't you give me 60 seconds on that? Absolutely. So it's on July 15th. It's going to be virtual and it is basically me talking about how to set up your virtual law practice overnight like I did because I set it up overnight with super low overhead, very super low setup. You know, everyone is going to be walking out of the um, conference with their firm fully set up and ready to get business. We're going to be covering different aspects from, of course, the setup, but also positioning yourself in the market so that you can be able to get your clients um, rolling in. And uh, that's it. It's going to be a one day event from 10 to three. I'm going to be really pouring in um, everything I got, everything I know, because ultimately it's all about getting the right blueprint Right. You know, copy the right cat. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel. I'm a copycat. I just find the right cat. I re, you know, and then I just put my spin on it. But I'm not going to if, if, if someone already made the mistakes and already has the shortcut, why not? That's what I'm giving. They can go to LaptopLifestyleLawyer.com slash slash virtual event and sign up. Cool. Kara, this was a lot of fun. Thank Yay, you. me too. I love this. I love this. I live for moments like this. <laughs> hey, will you stick around for the next segment? Absolutely. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. That was Kara Vaval, everybody. She's the laptop lifestyle lawyer and the principal of Vaval Law. You can find her hanging out at the pool. But as I mentioned, <laughs> we're not finished with Kara quite yet. She'll be back in a second. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both Spanish and English. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com slash LTN. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients and chasing overdue bills. At TimeSolve, our attorneys have the tools to achieve a 97% collection rate. That means more revenue for the same work and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. We're here at the rear end of the Legal Toolkit, the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short-form topics of my choosing because it's my show. Today, we're going to bring back our guest, Cara Vaval of Vaval Law, to play a game with us. Cara, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. This is a new game just for you. I'm calling it, What Would Florida Man Do? So (laughs) (laughs) for those unfamiliar (laughs) with the concept of Florida Man, it's a meme focused on the fact that a lot of crazy shit happens in Florida. And Uh reports of that often begin, Florida Man does something insane. But as it turns out, not all Florida Man news stories actually come from Florida. So Kara, your task is to determine which of the following news stories involve an actual man from Florida and which don't. Do you feel like you're prepared for this? Uh, Let's do it. (laughs) I got to put my New Yorker hat down and put my Florida back on. (laughs) Full disclosure, I'm totally stealing this bit from Toucher and Rich, which is a morning sports radio show out of Boston. They call it the armpits of America. Well, let's not call it stealing. That's such a harsh word. Let's call it an homage. Okay, here's story number one. Harvey Westmoreland and his brother got involved in a fight with two other men that ended with Westmoreland being forced to eat his own beard. The altercation started when Westmoreland was trying to sell a tractor to one of the men. The men felt like they were being cheated out of the money, and the fight started. One thing led to another, and before I knew it, there were knives and guns and everything just went haywire, Westmoreland said. And then they cut my beard and forced me to eat it, he said. So, Kara... (laughs) <laughs> Florida man or not? Uh, no, I don't think Florida man oh, would make it. Okay. No, I wouldn't would would think so. Would you like to venture a guess? You're right, by the way. Would you like to venture a guess as to which state this news emanated from? That sounds more like maybe Georgia or something. <laughs> All right, you're, get, you're getting closer. You're getting closer. This is actually happening in Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay, Kentucky. yeah. Kentucky. <laughs> the home of beard eating, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> now. Story number two. Are you, are you ready for story Let's number two? Let's do it. Jonathan Finkel allegedly told 911 dispatchers that he needed a ride to Hooters to help his grandmother, who'd gotten sick. Turns out his grandmother wasn't actually at Hooters, and she was not sick. So he was arrested on charges of misusing 911. And I say to that, Jonathan Hinkle, just call an Uber. <laughs> Kara, is this a Florida man or not? That's a Florida man. Yes. Wow, you're really good at this. I'm impressed. That is a Florida man. All right, we got, I got three more for you. They're quick. Story number three. Timothy Kepke, 27 years old, and his friends caught an alligator with their bare hands and tried to give it some beer to drink. The alligator That's bit them Florida instead. Man. And both yeah. men were arrested. <laughs> gator. Gator town. Yes. Florida man. Correct. Yes, Florida man. Maybe they tried to give the alligator like natty ice or something, and the alligator was not having any of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, you can't even get me a Guinness or anything like that? All right. Kara, I'm impressed. You're three for three. I think you can probably finish this out. Let's even go five for five. Let's All see. Right. Number four. Larry McElroy shot at an armadillo in his backyard. Only because armadillos have an armor-like hide, the bullet ricocheted off the armadillo, passed through the back door of his home, and he ended up shooting his mother-in-law in the back. She's fine. The armadillo is fine. Larry's an idiot. Florida man? No. No. Correct. No. Oh, my God. All right. You said Georgia man before, right? This actually happened in Georgia. 
Oh, it did it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that definitely is out of Florida. Are armadillo? there a lot of armadillos? I don't think so. I think Georgia? I was thinking more like New Mexico or something. I feel like it's kind of weird that there would be an armadillo in Georgia. Maybe it was like a pet that they bought online. I yeah. <laughs> I think the I think the less we know about this story, the better. All the right, better. This is the big one because you get this, you're five for five. Story number five. A felon wanted for violation of his probation live streamed his own arrest on social media wait for it, while on a jet ski. Florida man? Absolutely Florida man. <laughs> five for five, five, four, five. I oh, wish I had- great. <laughs> I wish I had a monetary prize to give you, <laughs> but I have nothing <laughs> other than my eternal respect for having come on the show and put up with that me for the last fun. half an hour. <laughs> That's awesome. That was fun. Now you can tell everybody you went five for five on the Legal Toolkit Challenge. Well done. Yes. That's going to be part. I'm going to put that on my resume. Yes, that should be at the top of the resume. Kara, thank you. You were great. Thank you. I had so much fun. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. You're fantastic. Now, for those of you listening in Christmas, Florida, where it's always Christmas, I guess, our Spotify playlist for this week's episode is a collection of some of my favorite Christmas songs, because why not? It's Christmas in July, everybody. So as I mentioned, our guest today has been Kara Vival of Vival Law. For more information about Kara and Vival Law, go to vival-law.com. That's V-A-V-A-L-L-A-W.com. Also, as we mentioned before, check out laptoplifestylelawyer.com to find out more about Kara's coaching and to get access to her courses for attorneys, including her upcoming live program in a couple days. Launching new social media services seems to be a thing right now but we've run out of time to promo our own version of Clubhouse. Maybe next time. And if I get a smartphone between now and then, maybe I'll finally try the real Clubhouse. Oh, who the fuck am I kidding? That's not going to happen. That'll do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit Podcast, where fantasy lives. Oh, wait, that's Storyland. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.